0: It was quite by accident I discovered this incredible invasion of Earth by life-forms from another planet. As yet, I haven't done anything about it. I can't think of anything to do. I wrote to the government, and they sent back a pamphlet on the repair and maintenance of frame houses. Anyhow, the whole thing is known. I'm not the first to discover it. Maybe it's even under control. I was sitting in my easy chair, idly turning the pages of a paperback book someone had left on the bus, when I came across the reference that first put me on the trail. For a moment I didn't respond, it took some time for the full import to sink in. After I'd comprehended it seemed odd I hadn't noticed it right away. The reference was clearly to a non-human species of incredible property, not indigenous to earth, a species I hastened to point out customarily masquerading as ordinary human beings. Their disguise, however, became transparent in the face of the following observations by the author. It was at once obvious the author knew everything, knew everything and was taking it in his stride. The line, and I tremble remembering it even now, read, His eyes slowly roved about the room. Vague chills assailed me and I tried to picture the eyes. Did they roll like dimes? The passage indicated not. They seemed to move through the air, not over the surface, rather rapidly. Apparently no one in the story was surprised. That's what tipped me off. No sign of amazement at such an outrageous thing. Later the matter was amplified. His eyes moved from person to person. There it was in a nutshell. The eyes had clearly come apart from the rest of him and were on their own. My heart pounded and my breath choked in my windpipe. I had stumbled on an accidental mention of a totally unfamiliar race, obviously non-terrestrial. Yet to the characters in the book it was perfectly natural, which suggested the belonging to the same species. And the author? A slow suspicion burned in my mind. The author was taking it rather too easily in his stride. Evidently, he felt this was quite a usual thing. He made absolutely no attempt to conceal his knowledge. The story continued. Presently, his eyes fastened on Julia. Julia, being a lady, had at least the breeding to feel indignant. She is described as blushing and knitting her brows angrily. At this, I sighed with relief. They weren't all non-terrestrials, the narrative continues. Slowly, calmly, his eyes examined every inch of her. Great Scott, but here the girl turned and stomped off and the matter ended. I lay back in my chair, gasping with horror. My wife and family regarded me in wonder. What's wrong, dear? My wife asked. I couldn't tell her. Knowledge like this was too much for the ordinary run-of-the-mill person. I had to keep it to myself. Nothing, I gasped. I leaped up, snatched the book, and hurried out the room. In the garage, I continued reading. There was more, trembling. I read the next revealing passage. He put his arm around Julia. Presently she asked him if he would remove his arm. He immediately did so, with a smile. It's not said what was done with the arm after the fellow had removed it. Maybe it was left standing upright in the corner. Maybe it was thrown away. I don't care, in any case. The full meaning was there, staring me right in the face. Here was a race of creatures capable of removing portions of their anatomy at will. Eyes, arms, and maybe more. Without batting an eyelash, my knowledge of biology came in handy. At this point, obviously they were simple beings, unicellular, some sort of primitive single-celled things. Beings no more developed than starfish. Starfish can do the same thing, you know. I read on and came to the incredible revelation, tossed off coolly by the author without the faintest tremor. Outside the movie theater, we split up. Part of us went inside, part over to the cafe for dinner binary fission obviously splitting in half and forming two entities probably each lower half went to the cafe it being farther and the upper half to the movies i read on hands shaking i'd really stumbled onto something here my mind reeled as i made out the passage i'm afraid there's no doubt about it poor bibney had lost his head again which was followed by and bob says he has utterly no guts yet bibney got around as well as the next person the next person however was just as strange he was soon described as totally lacking in brains there was no doubt of the thing in the next passage julia whom i had thought to be the one normal person reveals herself as also being an alien life form similar to the rest quite deliberately julia had given her heart to the young man it didn't relate what the final disposition of the organ was, but I didn't really care. It was evident Julia had gone right on living in her usual manner, like all the others in the book, without heart, arms, eyes, brains, viscera, dividing up in two people when the occasion demanded without a qualm. Thereupon she gave him her hand. I sickened. The rascal now had her hand as well as her heart. I shuddered to think what he's done with him. By this time, he took her arm, not content to wait, He had to start dismantling her on his own. Flushing crimson, I slammed the book shut and leaped to my feet. But not in time to escape one last reference to those carefree bits of anatomy whose travel had originally thrown me on the track. Her eyes followed him all the way down the road and across the meadow. I rushed from the garage back inside the warm house as if the accursed things were following me. My wife and children were playing Monopoly in the kitchen. I joined them and played with frantic fervor. Brow feverish, teeth chattering. I had had enough of the thing. I want to hear no more about it. Let them come on, let them invade Earth. I don't want to get mixed up in it. I
1: have absolutely no stomach for it. The space rocket Clarissa was nine days out from Venus. The members of the crew were also out for nine days. They were hunters, fearless expeditionists, who bagged game in Venusian jungles. At the start of our story, they are busy bagging their pants not to forget their eyes. A sort of lull has fallen over the ship. Note, A lull is a time warp that frequently attacks rockets and seduces its members into a siesta. It was during this lull that Anthony Quelch sat sprawled at his typewriter looking as baggy as a bag of unripe grapefruit. Anthony Quelch, the cosmic clamor boy with a face like turned linoleum on the third term, Busy writing a book, Fascism is Communism with a Shave, for which he would receive 367 rubles, 10 pazinkas, and incarceration in a cinema showing Gone with the Wind. The boys upstairs were throwing a party in the control room. they have been throwing the same party so long, the party looked like a worn-out first edition of a trapeze artist. There's doubt in our minds as to whether they were trying to break the party up, or just do the morning mopping and break the lease simultaneously. Arms, legs, and heads littered the deck the boys it seems threw a party at the drop of a chin sort of a space cataclysm with rules and little regulation kind of an atomic convulsion in the front parlor the neighbors never complained the neighbors were 450 million miles away and the boys were tighter than a catsup bottle at lunchtime. The last time the captain had looked up the hatch and called to his kitties in a gentle voice, hell, the kitties had thrown snowballs at him. The captain had vanished, clever way they make these space bombs nowadays. A few minutes previous the boys had been tearing up old amazings and throwing them at one another, but now they contented themselves with tearing up just the editors. Palmer was torn in half and he sat in a corner arguing with himself about rejecting a story for an hour before someone put him through an orange juice machine, killing him. Orange juice? Sorry now. And then they landed on Venus. How in heck they got back there so quick is a wonder of science. But there they were. Come on, girls, cried Quelch. Put on your shin guards. Get out there and dig ditches for good old WPA. And the rover boys academy earth branch twenty seven out into the staggering rain they dashed five minutes later they came back in gasping reeling they had forgotten their courses the venusians closed in like a million landlords charge men cried quelch running the other way and then battle what a fight folks cried quelch twenty thousand earthmen against two venusians we're outnumbered but we'll fight Correction. 10,000 men fighting. 10,000 men fighting. Kerbloom. 100 men from earth left. Boom. This is the last man speaking, folks. What a fight. I ain't had so much fun since. Help. Someone just clipped my corset strings. Bomb. Someone just clipped me. The field was silent. The ship lay gleaming in the pink light of the dawn that was just blooming over the mountains like a pale flower. The two Venusians stood weeping over the bodies of the earthlings like onion peelers, or two women in a bargain basement. One Venusian looked at the other Venusian, and in a high-pitched, hoarse, sad voice said, a this hit shouldn't happen to a dog, not a doity little dog. Drawn came peacefully like a beer barrel's rolling.